OT After Dark is a podcast run by two occupational therapists and is for adults only. The views on this podcast are our own and are intended for information and educational purposes only. We believe that sex and sexual pleasure are a human right for consenting adults, regardless of ability, age, gender, or sexual orientation. We discuss topics that cover a wide variety of sex and sexual practices. To be true to our strong views regarding inclusivity, we use common and slang terms regarding sexual topics, which may be considered explicit. Listener discretion is advised. We have exciting news to share. We recently partnered with DirectRec, a free app for OT practitioners, PT practitioners, and speech-language pathologists. DirectRec helps clinicians to find peer-vetted products, and we recently have added our own recommendations of products on DirectRec for sexual health and wellness. We helped DirectRec get a little extra sexy. DirectRec helps clinicians share products and other digital info, like YouTube videos and Google Docs, with their clients. DirectRec helps you to track clients' follow-through on your product recommendations. So to start using DirectRec, click on the link on our website at otafterdark.com or in our social media bios. Hi, I'm Kay, and I go by she and her. And I'm JJ, and I go by she and her. And we're both occupational therapists. And we're here talking to you about sex. Today was a good one. Oh, this is one of my personal favorites. Who did we have today, JJ? We had Joel Baum and Yaro Halpern from Gender Spectrum on this week. Educating us on all things gender, at least the the major points of, of gender and gender versus sex and gender versus sexuality and... And all of it, and, you know, how to start the conversation, because I feel like that's been kind of a, th- a theme lately, is how do we start how conversations? We start conversations with our clients. So, take a listen. So, we are here today with Joel Baum and Yaro Halpern from Gender Spectrum. So welcome. We're very excited to have you on today. We're super excited to be here. I know Yaro will join us just any second. Yep. And then, so I think to get started, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about Gender Spectrum and the work that Gender Spectrum does? Sure. So Gender Spectrum's uh, a nonprofit organization um, that we're located in the Bay Area in California, but do work nationally. Um, we've been around about 14 years or so. Um, and really, our mission is essentially the, uh, to support the creation of a gender-inclusive world for young people. Um, and we do that in a number of different ways. We have some direct services to families and caregivers. In fact, the organization started as a parent support group at Oakland Children's Hospital many years ago. Um, we also uh, hold a number of events and, and uh, a large summer conference and professional symposium. We also do a lot of online programming, programs that allow lots of different voices to come together and, and either connect with one another or share various perspectives. Um, we also try to play a role in sort of thought leadership and in the conversations that are occurring about gender, contributing to those, learning from those. Um, and then the area that Yaro and I are, are involved with is our professional development work. 
um, which involves uh, doing trainings and, and providing resources and other uh, support for various institutions um, when it comes to gender, youth, and families. Um, and really that work um, is, is about engaging those organizations in a conversation about gender and, and the various ways we're thinking about gender in, in new and different uh, language and ideas and then considering uh, the implications, right? So we're not sort of a formula or a program. We don't impose, you know, this is what you must do. Rather, we ask uh, organizations to think about, so here's the current language and, and, and ways that gender is playing out. So what do you wanna do about that? Because, you know, ready or not, here it comes. And, and uh, you know, I'm fond of uh, saying that Yaro's heard me say millions of times, but, um, which is that you know it's okay not to know but once you know you can't not know and then you need to like that. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and then you have to decide what you want to do about it which means we're really trying to meet people where they are um and and support them kind of whatever their current learning and understanding is but then to say but what about this and have you heard of this and here's a different perspective that may be unfamiliar and that's, I think that's why, that's why you're here. So like for me personally, where I'm at with what I know, I know that it's, there's more than boy and girl, more than a gender reveal party. <laughs> um, but then I kind of uh, admittedly get caught up in what terminology I should be using. And um, it, it's almost, it, it, I don't know. <laughs> I want to learn everything I can tonight. <laughs> Great. Yeah. yeah, and I think, you know, kind of in that similar concept and knowing that there's so many different facets of gender and really learning, and especially as OT practitioners, um, how, you know, when we're working with diverse populations, you know, how can we help to support and integrate that a little bit more with our practice and be more comfortable um, having these conversations about gender uh, with our clients? Yeah, and, and I appreciate the references to language and, and the conversation and like, what do I say? And Yaro, I don't know. I mean, you're, you're, you've spent a lot of time thinking and talking about gender. And, and I'm kind of curious, like some of your thoughts about just the language of it all and how hard it is to keep up. Yeah, I mean, I think that the language is just ever changing. And I think what we're seeing is um, really that it's, it's, gender is becoming a movement just as we've had many movements in the past and with that it's like you know the younger generation really kind of taking it and developing it and and getting creative with it and and um really just trying to find um words to describe a lot of things that folks have been feeling forever mm -hmm. um but i think now we're just really taking that time um and um in really like honing in like what do we want to call ourselves what what is the language that we want to use do we want to use words that exist already like they but in and use it in a singular in a singular sense do we want to create a new word like mix which is mx and so it's instead of mr mrs there's mx okay. um so like you know it, do we want to you know do we want to try to get folks to incorporate this in the dictionary or is this more going to be like just a language that communities are using themselves um so i think it's really 
interesting and exciting. Um, and I think just allowing like the creativity and diversity that has been allowed in the movement so far has just really been important. And also in knowing that like, there is no one size fits all gender. And I think that is exactly the point that we try to make here at Gender Spectrum. It's like, even if you are cisgendered, which means that you were, what you know, when you were born, you were assigned to the doctor, looked at you and said, oh, you're a female. Mm -hmm. And then you later went on to identify as a girl and then woman. Mm -hmm. um, even if you're cisgendered, your experience is not going to be the same as someone else who is cisgendered, right? Mm -hmm. Like we all have such unique experiences. And so I think that that's really at the heart of this work is just really remembering that everybody has their unique experience around gender. Um, and so the words that people want to use to express that gender are going to be different. Yeah, thanks, Yara. That's really great. And, and I think that's you know, one of the, the um, things we really try to underscore is that this work is not about certain people, right? And again, we primarily are working with young people and the constellation of adults around them. But it is about all those young people, not just the transgender kids, not just the non-binary kids. Every kid, as Yaro so beautifully shared, is being impacted by gender. And I think the other piece around this is because that language is moving so fast, um, it be can become very easy to be intimidated and overwhelmed by the language and therefore shut down, right? Like It's the like you last... my mind. Yeah. <laughs> One of the questions I had is how to do that because I think it is intimidating and there are some people when we've had this experience where, you know, we're, we're trying here. Sometimes we say things that people don't like, and I don't know if we've been attacked, but it's, there's, there's this ex, very high expectation that we should know exactly what to say. And it, it, it does get kind of intimidating. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, certainly, you know, as individuals doing a podcast or, or for teachers in front of students or for doctors in front of patients, there's this sort of veneer of the expert that we carry. And therefore, I should know, and it's my job to have all the right answers. And, you know, we like to say that it's not as important to have all the right answers as it is to have the right questions. Um, the fact yeah. of the matter is, the language of gender is shifting so rapidly. It's like here in the Bay Area, we talk about the weather, and if you don't like it, wait 10 minutes, because <laughs> it's going to move. And so when it comes to gender, there, there needs to be a humility that says, you know what, I actually don't know everything. I'm going to try to use some language to try mm -hmm. to capture things, but I'm going to be very humble. And when I get something wrong, um, I'm not going to get defensive about being wrong or using a term, term that might be you know, either felt to be a certain way or even triggering. And so I do understand what you're saying that, you know, that feeling of people get really angry in, you know, and I would encourage you to reflect on, you know, the way language has been used against people for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And so that reaction that you might be encountering while feeling very like, hey, I'm doing the best I can here, know that, yeah, and you're the 50th person that day to put somebody in a box. And so, you know, I, I'm a cisgendered man, as, as Yara named, you know, it's the idea I was assigned to sex of a male and I've been a boy and a man my whole life. I carry a great deal of privilege, right? And so it's very easy for me to say, hey, I'm trying, come on. But I haven't had the experience of having my pronouns misused and my expression controlled and, mm -hmm. and people who look just like me saying, come on, what's the big deal? It's just a pronoun. Um, and so again, I guess 
I hear what you're saying, and I, I, I pray that all people have plenty of grace to distribute for one another. And when individuals that have faced real oppression around their gender have a reaction, I try to remind myself, like, hey, I've, I've had it pretty darn easy, so mm-hmm. I can deal with a little a bit of a strong feeling as I seek to be a better and more accurate speaker. Mm-hmm. So can we talk, can we get to, can we talk about um, just the difference between gender and sex? Those words. Great. Great. Um, Yara, do you want to tackle some of that? Sure, yeah. Sure. So, so sex is essentially um, more having to do um, with your physical traits, um, your internal biology or chromosomes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, um, just a very, I mean, we, we, we live in a binary world. So when babies are born, they're assigned to sex. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially where it begins. Uh, sometimes they're assigned to sex even before they're born. But they're definitely officially assigned to sex when they are born. There is a box checked. It is either baby boy or baby girl and that is you know pretty much the end of the discussion so that's what sex is um and can i just jump in because you even made the leap it's like no it's not baby boy or baby girl it's male or female right and then we just leap to boy or girl right instead what we really should be saying it's this baby has a penis and this one has a vulva and then let's see what the rest is, right? But right. No, and even then, I mean, we also have a ba- babies that this baby has a penis and yeah. a vulva. Like that's mm-hmm. also a possibility, right? Right. right. So, um, which is just a limitation of just sex in itself, because there are intersex folks that are some that sometimes have you know differentiation of genitalia, but also um, that might not even have any visible characteristics. Um, that it's a chromosomal thing, that it's actually an internal thing. Um, and I think actually, I mean, recently I've read that like some folks never actually even know that they're intersex. Um, and that it's actually not uncommon. Um, I think Joel, you say that like as many redheads as there are, there are intersex people. Yeah, it's right? estimated that roughly 2% of live births um, result in the, the, uh, some kind of intersex trait. Um, that the baby will have. And, and, you know, so again, is it all, is it, you know, is it common? No, but you know, so much of this work around gender is moving from the either or Mm -hmm. of a binary system of men and women to a system that's much more about both and, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, most people are one or the other, and then some people aren't. And whether that's about their body, whether it's about their identity or how they show their gender in the world, we need to get out of this absolute strict this or that, especially when we limit what these even are, um, to one that says, hey, it's both and. So we're not here to say get rid of gender. There's no such thing as, uh, you know, a, 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 a man or a woman. There are, of course there are. And there's also more to it than that. And it's quite frankly a lot more interesting than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then um, gender is really how a person identifies themselves. So it's more like, you know, socially, how are you interacting with people? Um, How do you perceive yourself in the world? Um, And so gender to me is is, is something that you 
should be allowed to decide for yourself, right? So if you were assigned the sex, sex of male or female, either one, your gender then becomes how you feel. Like, how do you feel in this world? How do you feel when somebody says she? How does that make you feel? When somebody says he, how does that make you feel? And like, there's, there's such a multitude of, of um, you know, pronouns that you can use to express different gender experiences. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you want to say more on gender? Well, I mean, again, I mean, we, we try to offer a really basic framework that, that as we have done here, starts with bodies, but by no means ends with bodies, right? First of all, bodies aren't binary. Let's just get that out of the way. But then gender is, 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 is far more linked to our identity, right? Which is this internal sense, right? And everyone has a sense of who they are. It's, it's hard to capture. It's hard to describe, but we have it. Um, and then we use all sorts of words, as, as Yaro mentioned, to then convey that to others. But there is a, a core sense of self. Gender identity is recognized by the medical fields, the legal fields, the psychology, you know, psychology and psychiatry. I mean, the notion of gender identity is a fairly well-established thing. And what causes a person to have this particular sense of self is really complicated. It seems like there's genetics and there's there's chromos. I mean, there's um, uh, hormones and neurology and then social factors. But there is an identity that we carry, and the estimates are that as early as 18 months to three years, um, most people have a stable sense of that, regardless of what that sense is. We then seek to convey that to other people, and so we use words like. I feel like a man, I feel like a woman. And again, we've assumed for many years that that's all there is to it. Well, yeah, some of us do feel that way. And some of us even were assigned the sex of a male. And so there, therefore, there's my experience. But then some people don't feel like either one as they understand what those terms are and as those terms play out in their culture. They're commonly referred to in this very broad category of non-binary people, people that don't fit one or the other. And it's in this area of non-binariness that we're seeing just this explosion of understanding and recognition. You know, as, as Yaro mentioned, there have been non-binary people forever. Virtually every culture has recognized individuals that were neither a man nor a woman. And in many cultures, or at least until colonization, many cultures, those individuals were celebrated and honored and had very special roles. But the point is, Gender is what I identify in myself, how I understand it. It's really about gender self-determination. Um, and going back to, to the original comment, Kay, that you had about, like, you know, I try to say the right thing, and I, sometimes people respond. It's like, rather than trying to define for other people, we need to create the space for them to simply tell us. Tell, tell, I mean, even when someone uses a word like transgender, well, that might mean they identify in a very binary way like they were assigned the sex of a female, but they identify as a man. But someone might say, yeah, I'm trans, and mean they're simply non-binary, and then have a different way of explaining exactly what that identity is. Yeah. And then let me just finish with the third dimension for us, So, because we do talk about, and, and, and Yara mentioned, it's the social dimension, right? So I have this body, I have this understanding of who I am and how I want to communicate it to others, and then I go out into a world that either celebrates that and honors that, um, and certainly that's 
frequently the case for cisgender people, or I encounter a world that maybe isn't so supportive and says, no, you have a penis, you must be a boy. It's like, well, okay, you can tell me that all you want, but that doesn't make me feel like a boy, right? And, and, and all these social dynamics or the social dimension um, really can, can, can have a tremendous impact on the health and wellness of young people because they can either be affirmed in their identity and self um, and supported to be congruent, right? To have all these pieces fit together as a whole, or they could be um, uh, uh, not supported, not affirmed. Um, and, and the result of that is devastating, particularly when it's from caregivers or, or teachers, um, where the young person is basically constantly being questioned about their authentic experience and being told maybe they're crazy or they deserve the treatment, they're, the mistreatment they're getting, or they're going to go to hell because this is, you know, and, and that's just a tremendous burden. And yet we see, and Yara and I both know tons of young people who, despite all those social pressures, are sort of saying to people like, sorry, but this is who I am, get over yourselves. And that's in spite of what is often some terrible treatment. I mean, some of the young people we know that, that assert themselves in this way are, are some of the most amazing young people we meet because they, despite all the challenges, are like, I gotta be me, like this is who I am. Yeah. And I think you brought up an excellent point of not trying to define people for them and letting them express who they are. And I think, to that point, do you have suggestions of how then do we start the conversation and how do we get that, make it so it's a comfortable space so someone can then explain who their authentic self is? Especially to add to that, so we're occupational therapy practitioners, so we're constantly going in meeting new people and initiating conversations with people and then immediately getting into very personal details. So like to what JJ was seeing, advice on how to start that conversation. Yeah, I would say that I think um, just bringing gender into the conversation can be super easy. Joel and I and everyone in our organization has a sign off on our email and it has our pronouns and then it has what's this, which sends you to a link and explains exactly what pronouns are. Um, I would suggest just adding that, like that's super radical, putting that in your email signature. Starting a meeting with, hi, my name is, and my pronouns are. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that you are bringing to the table that you have knowledge, that you're not assuming everyone's pronouns or gender. You're actually inviting other people mm -hmm. to talk about that. And if people are like, wait, what's that? Then it's a teachable moment then you're actually bringing that knowledge to other folks and saying, well, let me tell you about this. You know, we actually just started doing this and this is what it is. And here's the link. Um, so I think it just can have this like cascading effect that's super positive and just a pretty, you know, simple uh, thing to do, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, and I would imagine while, you know, you very quickly have these conversations and they get pretty intense, you know, pretty intimate pretty quickly, I also imagine people have to sign up and tell you, here's my email and here's my name and here's my demographic, right? They're giving you some basic information. Well, what are you asking, right? Are you asking them their sex assigned at birth versus their gender? Are you saying, are you a male or a female? Or are you maybe saying, what is the what was designated on your birth certificate male female 
now in California, X, you know, because we now have intersex as a third recognized gender, declined a state. And then, and what is your gender? And please tell, right? So these are various ways that you signal, even before you interact, I'm ready for anything you've got to tell me. And for those for whom that will matter, they will know exactly what you're asking. For those who don't, as Yara said, it's a great opportunity for them to be, why are you asking my, the sex I was assigned and my gender? Isn't it the same? Actually, you know what? I thought that for a long time too, but it's not. So for many of us, they go together. And then for some of us, they don't. And here at OT, after dark, we're committed to recognizing the gender of every person. And, so, and now you've opened that up. Um, so what's more, it's, it's, it's about, because this binary is so ever-present, um, it's like water to a fish, that we have to go out of our way to say, just so you know, I'm not buying it, and I see more. Um, mm -hmm. And so I want to let you know, anything you throw my way, I will be ready for um, or if we're not, we might say, huh, you use the term nutois, and I've never heard that before. Can you tell me what that means? Um, it might be my first interaction. It might be, hey, great to talk to you. I'm Joel, and I'm really excited to, to work together with you. And I did notice when you completed your registration form, you used this word I've never heard of before. Can you tell me more about that? Mm -hmm. That's almost always going to be greeted with like, oh, my gosh, thank you for asking. Yes, I'd love to. Because you're not saying, what the heck is that? Like, oh my God, I've never heard of that, right? That, of course, is hostile. But if you're coming to someone with wonder in your heart, um, they will feel that. And they'll be like, oh yeah, actually, I'm glad you asked. Here's what's going on for me. Um, right. Or they might say, yeah, that's just the term I use to describe my gender. That's really all I have to say about it. Okay, great. Right. right. Also, what nutois means to one person it will not mean to this to another person. person. Yeah, you know, like I, I identify as non-binary. I was assigned female at birth. And so what that means to me is something very specific. And, and I have my own feelings for why I go by they, them pronouns. Um, and they are, they're very different from other folks, right? And so, um, yeah, I think just as Joel said, like just asking, and it's also opening up a conversation because even if you did know what that term was, you were familiar with it, it doesn't necessarily mean the same thing every time, right? So it's just another opportunity to, to deepen our understanding and also just get to know folks. And it almost sounds like too, from the occupational therapy perspective, is that that's a really easy way to start during like an initial evaluation mm -hmm. and something that should really be included in that person's occupational profile. In, you know, in that, mm -hmm. that piece about them. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, you know, this is the, uh, Yaro and I have been doing a ton of work with schools this past uh, few weeks, and, and we're just constantly talking to schools. How do you demonstrate very overtly that you want to know who your kids are, that you want to know about them so you can best meet their needs via fill in the blank? In schools' cases, education. In your, your case, via occupational therapy you know, in another case, via their spiritual pathway. But it's really this, this demonstration of openness to the experience another person is having versus, oh, I'm going to tell you what your experience is and make all these assumptions and go down some blind alley that, that ends up me not seeing you for who you are at all. And now this very critical relationship that needs trust 
all you've demonstrated to me is I can't trust you worth a lick because mm -hmm. you don't even didn't even take the time to figure out who I was. Mm -hmm. There is one other piece too that that we always try to make sure folks come away with in terms of just fundamental gender literacy, which is that gender and sexual orientation often get confused and they're not the same. You keep right? reading my mind. All the questions <laughs> that I have to ask, you're you're getting to. <laughs> yeah, well, sexual orientation is about who I'm attracted to, who I'm drawn to physically and romantically, sexually, right? Emotionally, it's, it's about me in relationship to others. Um, it's very interpersonal. Whereas gender is a very personal experience. It's about my sense of who I am. Um, I've heard people say, and maybe some of your listeners will appreciate this, I've heard people say, you know, sexual orientation is all about who I go to bed with. Gender is about all, all about who I go to bed as, right? Mm -hmm. This is who I am, and this is who I'm attracted to. But we conflate them so easily, and then we start to have these really crazy conversations based on, you know, what someone does or what a kid is interested in, or, you know, if a girl plays sports, that must mean she's a lesbian because come on, you know, it's like, uh, that's gender and social gender and the other is about sexual and one does not equal the other. Um, and again, in the world of, of supporting young people in different contexts, this sexualization of gender, when we start talking about bathrooms and locker rooms and other gendered spaces, becomes very, very problematic because we have this whole lens of sexuality being layered on top of what is essentially for the young person simply seeking congruence and being authentically seen. So, you know, a transgender girl doesn't go into the girl's bathroom for anything sexual. She needs to pee mm -hmm. and she wants to be seen with dignity and, and, and respect. Yet, many people go straight to this very sexual place because they're just, well, it's LGBT, come on, isn't it all the same? And no, it's not. Yeah. Could you go over some terminology that maybe our listeners have never heard? Hmm. So well, I mean, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I mean, Yara, what do you think? Like, there's things like they might commonly see called MTF. Right, that someone might describe those. Yeah, I'm MTF, meaning I'm male to female. Okay. Now, but even that can mean so many different things to the mm -hmm. person using it. For some people, that is a direct indication of I have changed my body. For mm -hmm. other people, it's like, yeah, I'm, you know, been a people think I'm a guy, but I'm not. I really feel like a girl. There's people that will use M to M, male to male, meaning yeah, people thought I was this. I'm still a guy, but I'm this kind of guy, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we can go over, if you can Google, you know, gender diversity, and you'll come across hundreds and thousands of words. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, Yara, what are some other, I mean, you mentioned new Well, sports. yeah, I mean, so we, we went over cisgendered. Right, so that good. means that the sex you are assigned at birth is the gender that you identify as. The opposite of that would be transgendered which means that the sex you were assigned at birth is actually the opposite of how you identify. So if you were assigned male at birth, but you're a female, right? Mm -hmm. um, that would be transgendered. Um, and I might just correct a little bit by saying you were assigned male at birth, but you're a woman, right? So, yes. right, you're, you're, male and female are generally biological terms. 
man and woman are more identity terms. And so and gender I'm, terms. Yeah. Yeah, gender identity terms. So I'm assigned male sex, but my identity is female. I'm often referred to as a transgender woman. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, another term some people will hear, and we've mentioned non-binary, mentioned cisgender. Another term you might hear is um, in many indigenous cultures, there's this whole broad category that's sometimes referred to as two-spirit, right? Mm -hmm. Where an individual, again, this is a form of non-binary identity, but two-spirit is, is a very recent term just in the 1970s that actually captures hundreds of names from different indigenous cultures throughout the Western Hemisphere. Um, 150 different tribes have various forms of these non-binary individuals who play super unique roles in their communities. Like, these are individuals who you know, had ceremonial roles. They were shaman. They were often people, in fact, in many cases, um, two-spirit individuals were given the responsibility for handling the dead, which in you know, many indigenous cultures is such a sacred thing because it's the going from this world to the next. And that was something that was only handled by two-spirit people because they had the wisdom and insight to, to do that. Um, so two-spirit's a term you might hear a lot. You might hear some people refer to being agender or genderless or, or sort of not having a gender. Um, and that can be for individuals that either really for whom gender isn't a salient aspect of self, right? Like they really don't connect with an internal sense of self. And we've also heard that used by individuals who are essentially saying, look, I'm not going to give you a box to put me in. So I'm not going to tell you I'm a man. I'm not going to tell you I'm a woman. I'm not going to tell you I'm non-binary or trans. I'm going to tell you I'm Joel. And you need to figure me out that way. So I'm me gendered. That's my gender. It's me. It's Joel. Um, you know, so that's another term that you'll hear. Um, what are some other? I mean, so. Another one. Oh. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Uh, so gender dysphoria is one that I wanted to highlight. Um, and gender dysphoria is basically when a person experiences distress because there's a mismatch between their biological sex and their gender identity. And it's also um, sometimes known as gender incongruence. And as Joel was talking about congruence, it's really just feeling completely whole in your identity, really like, you know, it's, it's the opposite essentially of dysphoria which is a sense of just really not, yeah, I mean, and, and that's like a lot of why I think we do the work that we do mm -hmm. is like dysphoria is very serious. Mm -hmm. Dysphoria is, I would say, one of the leading like, like causes and one of, one of the major issues of, um, you know, that, that trans and non-binary um, or gender expansive youth face, mm -hmm. right? And, and that's why, you know, the language around gender is so important. That's why this education around gender is so important because the more informed people are and the more that, that these terms are accessible, like th the more that these youth are, are feeling comfortable and safe, mm -hmm. right? And, and seen and heard in the ways that cisgender folks are just automatically allowed to feel. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with dysphoria, you know, again, a lot of people make this assumption that if you are not cisgender, then that means you want to have surgery and change your body and do all these things. It's like, well, maybe, but maybe not. So, you know, this notion of dysphoria could be everything from sort of a mild level of 
um, stressed and like, yeah, this isn't quite right and I need to tune this or that to this incredibly high degree of distress that is almost debilitating. Um, you know, we, we will hear from young people that they take showers in the dark because of their dysphoria or that they will not let a doctor look at their body or they literally have not looked at themselves in the mirror naked for years and years and years because of the level of dysphoria. But not everybody who is transgender or non-binary is looking to have surgery or is looking to take hormones. Some are and some aren't. And just as there are cisgender people who also modify their bodies in ways to feel more feminine or more masculine, and yet we often don't think twice about that. Um, and I, I just think there's often this, this, this very dangerous double standard that gets handed out about what is acceptable and what's not. Um, and, and I think that's, that's, that's an important factor here as well. Yeah, definitely. I also think that like when we're talking about surgeries and things, um, when I, what I get upset as about is that like, you shouldn't have to look a certain way to be respected as, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, as a woman or to be respected as a man or to be respected as a non-binary person. The, the notion that there is, the right way to do something is really what we need to move away from mm -hmm. because you can be anyone and do that in your own way. And that should be enough. You shouldn't like, because there's also, then we start talking about like, you know, um, just the equity of like an accessibility of, of, you know, surgeries or like Joel's saying, like not wanting to do them. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm going to call you whatever you want me to call you and I'm going to re respect that and honor it no matter what you look like. That to me is irrelevant, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, so I also think that like, it's important to remember that like that trans and non-binary folks don't actually owe anyone anything and actually don't need to um, present in any certain way to um, just receive respect and decency. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to that point, Yara, you know, we will frequently hear sort of this notion of the, the, the trans or non-binary tragedy, like that when someone comes to this realization and for families, it's like, oh my God, you're so brave and this is such a hard road and my, you know, God, this is so terrible and may you survive it and weather it as if there is a preferred experience that is cisgender. Mm -hmm. And as a parent myself, as I think about my own children, all I want them to do is feel fully themselves, whatever that is. Um, and yet we often look at a cisgender identity as preferred, and that if someone happens to be transgender, or quite honestly, if they happen to be gay, what a tragedy this is. It's only a tragedy because we live in a society that says there's something wrong with those things, when in fact there's nothing inherently better or worse in one identity or another. Um, and I think, you know, that's that's a real challenge in this work because then we get into conversations about, well, what if, you know, you make the wrong decision and it's a mistake as you, you know, when is it a mistake to learn more about yourself? Mm -hmm. You may give things up. Yes, that is true. In pursuit of congruence, there may be some choices you make which have certain consequences. That doesn't mean it was the wrong decision. It just meant I needed to do this in order to know what the next step was going to be for me um, in my gender journey. Do you have any final? Yeah, 
I mean, I think, I think you, you've explained this so beautifully um, and how to, that, that it is, you know, so individualized for every person and that it's not just putting somebody in a box and saying, this is who you are. And, you know, I think, I think it, you've made it very accessible too, to understand these concepts. Um, so I thank you for that very much. Yeah. Yeah. Final words of wisdom for just healthcare professionals in general. <laughs> well, I, I, Yara, I'm be surprised. I always have a final word. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I think one thing we, we see all the time, and we've alluded to it a little bit, which is, you know, young people are so far ahead of us in all of this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, all of the heavy lifting and the work we do in professional development is with the grownups. Um, that doesn't mean, you know, that there isn't prejudice and, and mistreatment among young people, but the general disposition of youth today is so completely ahead of most of us. I mean, it's similar to how many of us treat technology. It's like we're learning it as kind of this language acquired in adulthood, mm -hmm. and so it's very mechanical, whereas for young people, they grow up with, you know, their thumbs ready to do things, right? Mm -hmm. And similarly with gender, they're growing up with this level of sort of just comfort that is, in general, just so much more flexible. Um, and, and we have to recognize that or, you know, either get on board or get out of the way because young people are not having it. Um, I, I'll share a, a very quick story um, from, from one of my colleagues. She was meeting with... Um, a CEO of an of a company that we were thinking about doing some work with. And she said, you know, well, tell me how some of this stuff is showing up in your own life, in your own world, and you know, this gender stuff. And he said, well, I can't, can't really think of anything specific. Oh, well, actually, you know, the other day I was out to dinner with my son and, and I, I made some comment about gender and he put his fork down and just looked at me as only a 16 year old can, just such disgust. And then he said, you know, dad, you're irrelevant and you don't even know it. I think that says so much about how young people are looking at this subject, which is that they, you know, this is where we are going. I hope we'll get there faster than not because in the meanwhile, a lot of kids are suffering. A lot of um, families are suffering from the rejection in the society around them. Um, but ultimately I'm hopeful because you know, a lot of us are just going to get out of the way one way or another, and we're just going to move towards a greater level of, of gender um, equity, gender awareness, gender self-determination um, for all of us. So I, I, I'm very hopeful. Excellent. We're good. Oh. <laughs> that was fantastic. Wow, that's that's all I can say is just wow. That was just such an incredible conversation that we just had. We've been trying for quite some time to to find someone to come on the podcast and talk about um, the topic of gender, and I don't think we could have found two better people to do that. I know Joel and Yarrow did just a fabulous job explaining gender. So we have a challenge, OT After Dark listeners. We want you to come up with what you're going to do to be more inclusive when it comes to gender and um, working with your clients. So what is going to be your goal? And we want you to um, tag us on social media and let us how you're going to be more gender inclusive in your own occupational therapy careers. Extra credit if you write it in the format of a coast goal, <laughs> <laughs> says the OT educator. <laughs> 
but is it going to be something? Are you going to add your pronouns to your email signature? Are you going to talk to people at work maybe about adding questions on intake paperwork so that you go in to a new a new patient, new client, and and already know what their preferred pronouns are? Yeah. So let us know, and tag us at OT After Dark on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. You pick. You pick your social media platform. And find us there. Speaking of. <laughs> you can you can find Gender Spectrum at uh, genderspectrum.org, on Facebook and Twitter at Gender Spectrum, and on Instagram at gender underscore spectrum. As always, don't forget, sex is an ADL. Cheers. Cheers.